Thanks for checking out the weekly Harmony Church podcast. For more information and resources about Harmony Church or any of the Harmony events, check out the Harmony Church website or Harmony Church Facebook page today. A little bit, couple things before we get there because we're going to talk about God's design this morning. But I did want, I talked to my husband this morning and I always tease him that um, he's always really encouraging that me ministering on sexuality and things like that because he knows I have to practice what I preach. Okay. So, um, he, he, yeah, he's, he's always encouraging there. Um, I, I was telling the pastors, I got to tell this one more story. I was telling the pastor at lunch, um, I, I speak on sexuality a lot, restoring sexuality, but I also do a lot of activating and the prophetic and in gifts. And I do a seminar called ministering spiritual gifts. And I, I, I'm trained and I can certify people. So I, I had this big meeting in Orlando and I don't know, I had maybe a half a dozen pastors or something that I was going to be certifying. And so if we don't learn as saints to move in the gifts, and see, super saints know how to move in their gifts, okay? And they know what their gifts are. But if, if we don't, we, we, get, we can get spiritually frustrated because, you know, when you have, in, in the natural, if you look at bodies of water, okay, when fresh water is coming in and fresh water is going out, that's called a river, right? We're supposed to be river saints, okay? And so when... We don't have any fresh water coming in and no fresh water going out. We get swampy. Now, in Florida, we know swamps, and we know what lives in swamps. You know, everything that lives in a swamp, again, is represented the demonic in the Bible. Alligators, snakes, frogs were represented as plagues, all of that. So when you're a swampy Christian, you don't have any river coming in you don't have river going up and guess what critters can live there okay mm-hmm. you, you're open to the demonic then you have what I call late Christians okay late Christians are they have fresh water coming in they got the word coming in sometimes the spirit but it's not going anywhere they're late Christians late Christians they have some fresh water but critters can grow on the side You know, they can be, sometimes you have, in Florida, you can get critters even if it's a freshwater lake, okay? But river Christians, that water is flowing. And you don't, you don't have those kind of things can live in that river because that fresh water keeps moving and flowing. So we all, we all have to become, again, those river Christians. And so, um, but I just, I just wanted to share that as we, we begin talking today. I wanted to talk a little bit about joy first, okay? Because joy and sexuality uh, really does go together some. And Isaiah, talking about fresh water, Isaiah 13.3 says, Therefore with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Okay? So let me ask you, if you don't have any joy, can you get to the wells of salvation? Not according to this scripture. We, we need joy to draw from the wells of salvation. The Bible even says what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Now, some of this is really for parents, but really it's for all of us. Because let me tell you how joy, in, in a, when we have an infant, there is circuitry and um, things that are wired into that child's brain be, They're called joy pathways, okay? And so that means if a baby's crying and they're picked up or you smile at them, your job is to always be returning that baby to joy. And when you don't or when they're neglected or nobody is returning to joy, those pathways are left undeveloped in our brains, okay? And those people oftentimes have trouble with depression or because... They don't know the path to joy camp, okay? Their, their brains get lost, and they have trouble getting back to joy because the circuitry is undeveloped. Now, let me tell you this. The Bible says, when our mother and father forsake us, right, he will never leave us. So whenever we talk about things where maybe we know we were neglected or maybe our parents didn't have joy so they couldn't return us to joy, it's not like God just dumps us there and leaves us. It's very interesting. The one part 
of the brain that can grow after adulthood is the joy center of our brain. Okay, isn't that amazing? And so, but we have to understand, so as parents, you want to always be returning that child to joy because we create that circuitry in their brain so they can find their way back. Now, let me give you a little bit of American history. We had, and they were telling me you had some of it too, back in the 50s and 60s, this whole... Uh, way of raising kids, the Dr. Spock method came along, okay? Well, out of that Dr. Spock method, a lot of it was, you know, don't be picking up that child all the time, don't be spoiling them, don't be doing this, and all of that. And out of that came our 60s and 70s drug culture, communes, hippies, all of that came because they raised up this whole generation of people who didn't know how to, their brains didn't know how to get back to joy. And so they were using the drugs, the, you know, free love, you know, that was sex, drugs, rock and roll, because their brains were trying to find joy. Okay, that connection. Even in the, the series Star Trek, Okay, any Trekkies here? There's Star Trek, yeah, okay. Star Trek, uh, the Spock in that was really fashioned after Dr. Spock, that non-emotional, that whole thing, okay? And so that's how that happens when we don't return our children to joy. Now, as saints, the Lord always wants to return us to joy, if ever you have something that is just like accusing you and bringing condemnation, you always know that's not the voice of the Lord. Now, conviction is, but the Lord, after he convicts us, he always returns us to joy. So any voice that is not returning you to joy, that's not your father's, okay? Because he's always, he might have to deal with something, but he returns us to joy, okay? If what we're hearing or what we're feeling, we think it's God, but it's not returning us to joy, it's not the Lord, amen? Because he will always, because he's a good, good father, amen? And so if we want to really be successful in life, you want to, Jared, you want to be a great youth pastor? Always return those kids to joy, even if you have to minister to them, even if you have to deal with pain, even if you have to correct them, return them to joy, okay? You want to be a great employer? Return your employees to joy. During, I had my motorcycle business for about six years, and I had to deal with techs and just all kinds of different people, and I might have to bring a strong word of correction, but, you know, they never left my office without being returned to joy, okay? You're wonderful because you've got a pastors that carry joy, okay? They, they carry joy, so they're gonna, that's going to be easy for them. But with our children, it doesn't matter what they've done or what they have to do, what you have to correct. You always want to return them to joy. And if we do that with people, guess what? We, we find that we have success and it's good for them. So we really need to do that um, as parents. I wanted to share something, one other thing about parenting, because this is very important. And it's also important when we're ministering to people because there's two really basic areas that parents do for their children. Now, please, if you're a single parent, don't say, oh, my child's going to be messed up. Because again, the Lord always has provision, okay? He always, he's a father to the fatherless, amen? He's always. But here's something. Uh, you two haven't had children yet, but along the way, you're going to, right? And so you, you, you want to get this, right? So here's a, just a foundation stone. In, when you're raising a child, one of the greatest things that you need to do is called impartation and validation. And the same-sex parent really needs to impart, Okay, we have a lot of children sometimes that get lost even in their sexual identity because they haven't had that strong impartation. That's not the only problem, but sometimes it's part of the problem from the same sex. That means you have to spend time with them to do that, and there are things you have to impart. And again, it's not wrong if mom imparts some to that son or if dad imparts some to that. My dad imparted a lot of things to me. That's why I ride motorcycles and race snow machines and all of that. But my mom didn't impart that. But the other thing that has to happen is that impartation has to be validated by the opposite sex. So let's say, take the two of you, Pastor Gideon, you're, you're imparting to your sons, but mom is st stamping them valid. Yes, you are wonderful. Yes, you do great. And 
And so the opposite sex has to stamp and validate. Now, you can look at that in your own life and say, man, I didn't get any importation. I didn't get any validation either. I was invalidated. But that is to help you to know what do you need from the Lord? Lord, I need your importation. I need your validation. And then I can begin to open, instead of wallowing with what you didn't get, you can begin to open your heart because many times he will bring fathers and mothers in the Lord to bring that importation, to bring that validation. So as pastors, when we're working with someone and I might go to my husband and say, look, you know, this young lady, she never had any validation. She was really invalidated. I really need you to help me here because I'm imparting some, but I need him to come along and say, wow, that was, you did a great job with that. Wow. You really look beautiful today. Just that validation because that is what we need that to create that foundation in our life. And the Lord will provide. Amen. But sometimes our hearts are closed to it and someone says, oh, you did a great job. And go, well, not really, because our hearts have been hardened by what we didn't get, and we have to reopen our hearts. But parents, if you keep that paradigm and know that that is one of the things that you need to do, amen? And um, thank you, Jesus. I also want to talk just a little bit. I just felt like there were some parenting things needed this morning, and then we're going to talk about uh, sexuality, is... One of the things that we had, I just came out of talking to a number of students up in um, the Auckland area, and um, a lot of times, we, what do we say to our teenagers? What were you thinking, right? Well, I'm here to tell you they weren't, really, okay? Because the area of our brain, it's called our prefrontal cortex, that does executive reasoning, it's the place where their identity, sometimes we say to them things like, that's not who you are. Why did you do that? Because their identity isn't fully sealed. Even at 15, 16, they still only have half brains. That's why when I speak to young people, I'll say, you don't have a full brain. And that's why sometimes you have to borrow an adult brain. Okay, you need to borrow your parents' brain or your youth pastor's brain or somebody's brain because you do not have a full brain yet. Okay, it's not really fully developed till 25 years old. Okay, some people may be a little earlier. Then what happens is when we have drug use, alcohol, sexual addictions, all of those things, we delay the maturity in our prefrontal cortex, okay? So if you have that 16-year-old who started drinking or using drugs or started looking at pornography at 13, guess what? You've delayed the development of that brain, okay? And until you come out of the addiction, it won't really begin to mature, okay? And so we've got to understand that about our young people and to work with them because sometimes we get maybe angry or frustrated or things because the prefrontal cortex says, if I do this, it tells me this could be the consequence, the likelihood. But they don't have a full, they've got a certain amount. And parents, you can help mature that a little better with children. If you start at younger ages, really give them choice. Not just free choice, but choice between this or that. Do you want to go here? Do you want to do this? Do you want the red cup or the blue cup? And, and you begin, because that helps them to begin to realize I can make a choice and then this is what will happen. And we can have, so when we also over control our children, don't let them make choices, don't let them do, we are also delaying the development of the prefrontal cortex. Okay? Am I, am I making sense? And so, you can say, oh my goodness, I've really messed mine up. I messed mine up a lot too. So, But you know what? The Lord can go and he can heal. But it's never too late to learn. Okay? Um, it's kind of like 
this was a cute one because my I have a grandson nine years old and he has Down syndrome. So his prefrontal cortex development isn't quite where it should be. Okay. And so and he's got a six year old little sister. And so a while ago he had had a long day at school and they had to go to their older brother's football game and he was really acting out some. And, and I, I thought it was so brilliant because my daughter was getting a little frustrated. She'd had a long day getting frustrated with him some. And her six-year-old looked at her and said, Mom, he has Down syndrome. Okay? <laughs> so, you know, and sometimes we get frustrated. Now, let me take it even a, a step later. When you have those little children, there are so many parents today that they're trying to talk and reason with a child at two, three years old, their prefrontal cortex hasn't even hardly got started working. And yet we're going to reason them and wonder, here's how much it is. When you tell a child, don't touch the light plug, they hear light plug. They don't even hear don't touch. They just hear. And so they go over and do just, and then you're like, you're so rebellious. No, you're not talking to them right. You divert them to something else. But if you say light plug, that's what they hear. They don't hear, don't, they don't reason out, don't touch. Now, one thing they will know is if they go touch that and they feel pain, <laughs> little slap, or they realize that's through their limbic system. Ouch. Their limbic system can know this feels good, this feels bad, this is, but they will be impulsive and they won't always, we don't understand. So parents, you have to really create consequences, you know, and I'm not talking about beating your kids, spanking them all the time, not to, but you got to learn how to divert them sometimes, create consequences because you're trying to reason and give adult reasoning why they shouldn't touch that light bulb and having a lesson on electricity you know, and they're, they're clueless, okay? So we've, we've got to be careful when we're working with people, raising our kids and working with people to understand their developmental stage. I always say, you can, you know, you can cast devils out, but you can't take the baby out of the baby. You're not going to take the teenager out of the teenager. You're not going to take the, the senior out of the senior. There are certain things that in stages in life are different, Okay, but if we don't understand them a little bit developmentally, we can just make things worse. Okay, so one of the things moving into that whole sexual now, here was the other story I was going to tell you. I just came back to it. So I'm doing ministering spiritual gifts class, and I am really wanting them to get that they need to be saints moving in the gift, and that they're, a lot of times they're frustrated because they're not using what God has given them. So I go to this whole audience, it was bigger than this, and I kind of build it up, and then I said, do you want to know your problem? I'll tell you your problem. And I did this broad sweep of my hand, and I said, you are all sexually frustrated. And there was suddenly a uh, a silence and a hot, and I looked, my assistant was sitting on the front row, and I looked at her because I realized, did I say it? And she looks at me and goes like that. <laughs> so then I had to back out a bit, and I'm trying to say, well, I teach restoring sexuality conferences, and I really meant to say you're all spiritually frustrated. <laughs> but the funniest part of it, yes. The funniest part of it is afterwards, I had people coming up to me saying, I think that was a word, of, this is no, no lie. I think that was a word of, lie, uh, of knowledge. Would you pray for my, my husband and I, or would you pray for me? And so I literally had a prayer line afterwards for the sexually frustrated, amen? <laughs> yeah, so I can get in trouble with this message sometime. So I wanna, I wanna throw, I'm not gonna throw some of the same, same stats of, few of them, and they're going to be putting those online. But I'm going to throw out a couple more um, statistics. Um, this, this is something that's really scary, and you'll understand why when I talk about imprinting in a minute. One of the things it says, now this is New Zealand stats, is the largest age group that is viewing child porn is the ages between 15 and 16. The largest age group, get this, that is 
viewing child porn is the ages 15 to 16. And they say that now younger and younger ages are viewing more what we call sadistic porn, um, masochistic porn, perverted porn, because again, when it's addictive or addiction, you always are looking for another high. And sometimes this no longer is giving that same dopamine release. So then what, they have to find something worse and worse. And so that's a real scary thing. Um, I had shared at the conference that one out of every three girls in New Zealand have had some type of sexual abuse, sexual molestation. One out of every three. One out of seven boys. If we think that our boys are, you know, that's not going to happen to them, it's not true, okay? I know they when they've been molested by babysitters and even teachers and aunts and you, you name it, neighbors, um, our young boys can get molested. And so what I always encourage is, and I shared a bunch on this this weekend, but if, if the church doesn't take back the sexuality, message of sexuality, if the church leaves a void, who's going to fill it? We've already seen it. The enemy has filled it. Because we have, it, it's been a long time since we, we've really talked about it and really opened up the subject. And what I always say is, you know, if the Bible didn't talk about it, then I'd be, I'd be still. But the Bible talks a bunch about it. Okay, the, the, our God created us. I always say, all you have to do, go home, take off your clothes, look in the mirror. You were designed with sex in mind. Okay, it's the very way our bodies were created and designed. So God wasn't afraid to talk about it. There's all kinds of things in this book. I mean, he, he, he's the first one who brought up the subject of bestiality. He's the first one who talked about sodomy. There's rape in the Bible. There's adultery in the Bible. There, you name it, you find it in this book. And yet we, as a church, don't talk about it. And then parents, oh, parents, you got to get this. Because if you're not talking to your kids, guess someone else is. And most of the time now it's the internet, Okay. And so, and what we used to talk about our kids with maybe at 13, 14, and 15, we better start doing that now at 10, 11, 12. Everything is several years younger, and we've got to be able to talk to them. So we got to work through our own shame, our own issues, so we can really talk to our kids about this, their sexuality. And don't do this, okay? Don't just buy a book and say, like, here, read that. Do you know how many people I ministered to? I mean, these pastors, kids. Well, my mom bought me a book and she gave it to me. Did she ever ask you about it? No. Did she ever sit down and read it with you? No. And it was already too late because I knew it all anyhow. And, but n n not a conversation, not a dialogue, nothing. Okay? And so we can either have homes where too much sexuality is talked about and exposed and pornography is laying around and all of that kind of stuff. Or we have homes that, you know, you, you can't talk about it. It's taboo. It's off topic. But we've got to talk to our children. We have to help them understand our, sexual, our sexuality. Um, they say that about 90% of kids from like about, I think it was like 8 to 19, have been exposed to some type of pornography and that's in your country okay when you take a young child the reward center of the brain works with all addictions I don't care if it's a woman's shopping addiction I don't care if it's crack addiction I don't care if it's a porn or masturbation addiction it all works through the same neural pathways, okay? And it's all really about dopamine. Now, the sexual things, there's serotonin and oxytocin and some other things, but you can listen to that workshop to get some more of that. So when, if you have a 10-year-old boy or girl, a lot more girls, women are looking at digital porn now than ever before. Their brains are being altered. It is like a hit of crack. 
It's like I hit a crack. And so, because that's what lights up in the brain. And so, what happens is they want more and more and more. And so, their brains, literally, they can take the brain of someone who's been addicted to maybe pornography or masturbation, and they can compare it to an alcoholic brain. They look the same. Okay? Because it shuts down. You'll see on brain scans and brain imagery, the way you can see is they, they give them different things to, to do, and then they see what parts of the brain light up. And what you'll see is like these dark holes. In an alcoholic's brain, you'll see dark holes of non-activity or drug addicts. Well, the same thing they're finding with. They have learned so much, especially in the last 15 years, 20, with brain imagery that they know what is being affected and how it's being affected. So we, we, our kids, are, our brains are literally being rewired. So I challenge parents, you know, you've got to talk to your kids about it, but you also got to make sure, you know, don't think that, you know, your beautiful little 10-year-old girl that you just see, she's just this innocent little thing, and she's got her phone, and you don't need to put any protection on it because you don't know how easy for one of her friends or one of the things to, and, and now she's looking at porn. But we have to find places and areas of protection. There are, is software, things we can download. We also want to check our kids' phones, but also know this. There are now apps that they can use that can switch the phone so you can go on it, but you're going to see something different than what's really on it. Right? Okay. And so you've got to learn about those things if you're going to guard your children. We, we, have, to, we have to learn to cyber guard our children. Okay, and for some, you know, some of us, sometimes we're we're just trying to figure out how to turn our own iPhone on and use it, you know. But but we've we've got to we've got to get smart. And one of the things, um, if you if you turn, I'm not going to go through a whole bunch of scriptures, but you know, the Lord created us what man and woman, and He said, when that man and woman become one, they they make covenant with him and each other, and he's got this whole thing about he wants you to be faithful, right? He wants you to be faithful all the, to each other all the days of the, their life, and God is a good God, so he wouldn't create us for that and say, here's what I want you to do, but I'm going to make that almost impossible. It's going to be so hard. God won't do that, so God created us with a mechanism that we call sexual imprinting. And this isn't something that's just in the church. They know about, in the world, they, don't, they know about sexual imprinting, but they don't understand it's because necessarily it's how God created us. They understand the results and the fruit of it, okay? And so the reason that God created us that way is so that if when our first and it's not always about just having sex. It can be what we're exposed to. And like I said, I don't have time to tell a whole bunch of stories this morning, but I could. Did I tell some stories about sexual imprinting? Did it make an impression? Mm-hmm. Because it's a real serious business. And again, as church, as parents, a lot of times we're just saying, don't do it. It's wrong. It's bad. You know? You could get pregnant. Could get disease. Whatever. They say, well, I'll use birth control. They're smart. I don't know about if it's here, but in our country, they're handing out birth control now, okay, in the schools. And so, but until they really get the fear of the Lord, that they were designed and created for covenant sexuality and wired into them is this mechanism called sexual imprinting so that what they are initially exposed to is imprinted and they want to go back to that, okay? And so they think I can play around with oral sex, I can play around with pornography, I can play around with these things, and then I'm going to get married, and as long, especially, this is, this is the classic Christian lie, is, well, we didn't really have sex. They did everything but 
but they really didn't have sex. That's the greatest ungodly belief. And so their sexuality has all this imprinting and they think they're going to get married and everything is going to be tra-la-la. But it's not because that imprinting affects. And the next thing you know, that little wife is finding out that uh, her husband is looking at pornography all the time and there's all kinds of problems. Why? Because of imprinting. Or the husband finds out that his wife is actually taking care of herself sexually because she's masturbating because she started masturbating at like six years old. And she was imprinted. And so, again, I could tell you all kinds of different stories, but imprinting is a real thing, and it's very powerful. Now, again, you may say to yourself, okay, I know my imprinting, and it was wrong. Like, sexual abuse victims, they a lot of times have shame. Not a lot of times, usually all the time. Shame or trauma imprinted into their sexuality. And you wonder why I don't want to go there. I, who wants to go to a place of shame and trauma? But that's what's imprinted. Now, is there sometimes people need deliverance? I'm all for. If we can cast the devil out, get it out of there, let's do it. But we also need healing. We are body, soul, and spirit. And sexuality is an amazing thing because we can't say it's just body. It's not. It, it's also spirit. But it's also very much soul. It's also very much our mind and our emotions entwined through all of us. And that sexual imprinting touches every base. And sometimes we have to pray for people because the one thing I don't want to leave you with is not a message of hope because I have worked with people that have been extremely damaged sexually. I've worked with people who have had some of the worst traumatic sexual abuse you can ever imagine. And I have seen God restore sexuality. I have seen God restore passion. And he can take that imprinting and cleanse it. I can't do it. You can't do it. But we have a God that can. And when we begin to put our faith and hope in him, he's the God that says nothing is impossible for him. He's the God who says what? I make all things new. Okay? But if the church never gives people faith and hope because it's never their sexuality is never talked about, they never have faith for that, they never have folk hope with that. It's like, I've messed up. It's messed up. Somebody messed me up and I'm still really angry about it. But there is no message of faith and hope. And there is no power that is releasing the anointing of God to bring a cleansing, a healing, a freedom. And we don't have faith that there can be a healing in that realm. I didn't tell this story last night, but had a, a couple come for ministry. Very, very unusual. I had actually, uh, no, I ministered to her first and she, extremely traumatic childhoods. They were kept in rooms that they didn't have clothes. They didn't have blankets. They didn't have pillows. They didn't have toys. They had a room, about five of them. When, if they ever got outside, they were put out in a dog run. And a warm memory in their family was when mom would pull a chair, because normally they just put down pots of food and they would just fight over it. And a warm memory was when mom would come in on a chair and go out of that pot and through spoon feed these kids. That was a warm memory, okay? And then from there, abuse and different things just followed that. So she had gotten married, which again was a miracle. Her husband had, they uh, were probably in early 40s by this time. He had never kissed her on the lips because of her abuse. He had never seen his wife naked. Now they had four children. And I don't know how they managed all of that, but they learned to accommodate. There are too many times we're accommodating things that God wants to heal. Okay, so I was taking her through this process, her and her husband, my husband and I were, and uh, the same process that Heather and Murray are trained in of called Restoring the Foundations. And you start like on a Monday, and you do interviews, and then you deal with generational sin, ungodly beliefs. Well, at lunchtime on Thursday, they're kind of a little bit giddy, like they want to go out and do something, you know. They're, they're, and I said, well, what are you guys going to do? And she looked at me and she said, we're going to Victoria's Secrets. Okay. And they, I said, 
great, I'm so excited, you know, take a little extra time, you know, just enjoy. So by, by the end, of, God had healed her so much, by the end of the week, she had gone to Victoria's Secret, they had actually kissed on the lips, God had healed and restored, and so God doesn't want us always trying to work around our junk, we can be very good at living with our stuff, instead of allowing God to heal them, again, they had had four kids, but he never kissed his wife on the lips. She would get too triggered if that happened. And so they just found ways. He had never, she changed clothes in the closet. She, he never, he never, he had never seen his wife's body. Okay. And you know what? By the time it was done, he not only saw it, but he saw it in some Victoria's Secrets lingerie. Okay. So that's what I call healing. Okay. I was saying, I was saying the other night, and this, this is the truth, a lot of times I might, I've been at conferences or different things, and I have unusual testimonies, okay, that people, they, they, they don't do them, you know, in front of a group, but I'll, they'll come up to me, and they'll say, do you remember me? And I'm like, yeah, and the lady's saying, I finally started having orgasms, it's amazing, you know, or um, a, hu a husband will come up and said, we, we've been having sex. We've been having sex like two and three times a week, you know? And so I get very unusual testimonies. But it's, but, you know, it's a cause for rejoicing because this is the way God created us and designed us. And there's so many wonderful things that happen. Again, we get dopamine released in, during sex. That's why it can be very addicting and bad. But in that... Um, relationship, it's absolutely amazing. And we get serotonin that makes us calmer. You know, I, no, I'm not saying this is the only thing. Okay. Don't twist this. But there's a lot of times there's someone I'm dealing with depression when if they were having more sex. Now, sometimes I know they have to get healed too. They won't be battling with so much depression. Okay. Or they're battling with anxiety. But if they had more sex, they're, wouldn't be as much anxiety because it's how God wired us and designed us, okay? Now, hear my heart, ladies. I know sometimes we have to get healed to do that. I'm not saying you just, there's sometimes there's deep healing that needs to come before that happens, but that's what God originally intended, and that's what he wants to bring us back to, and I always say is healing is not a luxury. He's, healing is not something like Oh, geez, one day it'd be just awesome if God would heal me. No, it's a responsibility that we have to go after, okay? And that we have a responsibility to get healed, you know? Can we heal ourselves? No, but there's a responsibility to chase after our healer and to do what it takes to be able to really get that healing, okay? So when we talk, I've got a book. I, I know we, we only had a few of them. We got them. You can get it on Amazon. It's called Straight Talk. It's on Kindle, but you can sit down and you can go chapter by chapter and talk to your children about covenant sexuality and, 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 and about imprinting and how it affects. And so um, I always encourage parents, you know, get that, get something else, but find a way that you can begin to talk to your children. And the other thing that we have to do, and again, I have heard stories, heard stories, Okay, um, I've heard stories about kids getting abused in the sound booth during praise and worship, molested. Kids molested by the elders who are, well, their parents are cleaning the church. Kids that have been met, abused by the pastor's kids. You, you name it, I have heard it, okay? And so it's critically important that especially at a really, we start at a real young age, who should touch you? Where should they touch you? If someone touches you, it's so important to tell. You've got to start getting that into them at an absolute young age, okay? I was saying because I do so much of this work, I don't want to get fear-based, okay? But like with my grandchildren, we start very young, okay? And I, my oldest granddaughter, Jordan, she was my first guinea pig, and we, we've worked all the way down. But, um, I, I, you know, we started talking, and I asked my daughter, I was like, okay, if I share a little bit with Jordan, not to scare her, but to equip her and say, Jordan, you know, there's some, there's some bad people in this world. And, and 
you can't trust everybody. There's a lot of really good people. But if you're ever out anywhere, if you're in a mall, if you're anywhere, and someone wants and you get separated or someone tries to tell you, you know, they're going to take you to your mommy or something like that and you don't know them, what are you going to do if they try to take you away? And sometimes, you know, first when they're real little, they go, I don't know, Grandma. And then you help, you help program them, okay? And, and then she'd say, well, oh, yeah, I'll help. I'll say no. Because if you just yell help, nobody knows what you need help for. You yell stranger danger, okay? You yell stranger danger as loud as you can. If you don't know them, you yell stranger danger. And then she had real strong little legs and stuff. And I'd say, and here's what you do. You kick and fight as hard as you can and you pull away and you run as fast as you can. But you kick. And I said, if later on you messed up and you just broke some guy's leg that um, maybe we knew, we'll fix it. Okay. God will heal it. But you... You, you don't worry about it. And so every once in a while, she'd come over. We might be driving the car. i say, okay, Jordan, here, here's the scenario. You're here, and this person, you know, said you just get to school or something, and someone says you don't know them, and they say, oh, your mom's here. You need to come see your mom. And they try to take you. What do you do? And they try to take your arm. What do you do? Stranger danger. Yell it. We'd practice yelling it. What do you do? You kick. I kick as hard as I can, okay? Cause she was, she's just, was, she's a beautiful woman now, but she's a beautiful little girl, beautiful little girl. And so, but she's just turning 21 in September, and she was going away um, right as she was turning 19 to college. So I got this girl, we were at the beach, family day at the beach, and I said, Jordan, come on, take a walk with Grandma, okay? So she's used to it. So I, I did the whole thing. Jordan, you're going away to college. I said, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's your employer. I don't care if it's a professor. If they try to get you in an office alone, you just say, I don't. I'll, I'll meet with you, but I want that door open. And you stand up and set a boundary. You don't have to go in any office that, and shut the door with a man that you don't really know. Okay? I get. So what do you tell them? No. I'll, I'll have that meeting, but you have to leave the door open, okay? The other thing I said, okay, Jordan, you're at a party. You came with a friend. She's not ready to go home. Some guy says, well, I'll bring you home. What do you do? I said, you say no. You call a cab. You do whatever. If grandma has to send you the money, I will send you the money. But you do not get in any car with any man you don't know, Okay? And you do not, if someone hands you something to drink, I don't care if it looks like water, whatever, and you don't know where it came from, or what, and you don't know that person, you don't drink it. Because, I mean, I've, I've heard the stories again. I've heard 16-year-old girl raised in a missionary family, virgin, beautiful girl, everything, you know, ahead of her. And she's at a party. Her friend wanting to say, she, she, her friend knew this guy, and he said, well, I'll bring you home. Gave her something to drink when she got in the car. By the end of the night, she's date raped. Okay? But if we don't help our kids, not out of fear, but out of equipping. Jordan, here's the things that will help you keep safe. So, again, Jordan, if someone says something, you don't have to be polite, you don't have to be nice, you set those boundaries and say no. And I actually started, the first time, she was two and a half years old, and we came into the church, and there was a man there, he knows her, knows the family, we know him, he didn't mean anything bad, but he said, Jordan, come give me a hug, and she was like, no, she was just, no, that morning. He went to reach for her to hug her, and I stopped him, I said, no, she said, no. That was her boundary. And he kind of looked at me, and I said, Jordan, it was okay to say no. And we went into the church. I went back to him later and said, look, I wasn't trying to be rude, but I want my grandma, my granddaughter to know her no is no. And I said, I know you didn't mean any harm, but I want her, I want to empower her, amen, to be able to say no. And so, again, it started very young. But if we don't do that, 
You know, we need, we need to go back and do that and help our children understand what's going on. Now, here's, I got to tell you another funny story. My little grandson, who's now 17 and way taller than me, when he was real little, and at that time, now I tell counselors and ministers we don't use slang, but a lot of parents use slang. So his mom used peeps for his penis, okay? So, you know, you don't let anyone touch your peeps, and it was his peeps. Well, in America, at, at Easter time, we have these little marshmallowy duckies, and they call them or chicks or whatever. They call them peeps, okay? So he comes to our dealership, and my assistant really liked her peeps at Easter time, okay? So he comes in, and she's like, Jacob, do you want to see my peeps? I've got because she had candy in her desk, and he just looked at her almost like in horror. And later, he went to his mom and he said, "Mom, Jackie was going to show me her peeps, you know." And he was all he was all horrified, but because so, but it's important that we talk to our kids, you know. But it, they were already talking to him about you. Just don't you don't let anyone touch your peeps. You don't show anyone your peeps. The whole thing. But he was horrified. So we had to explain to him um, that Jackie was not um, a bad woman. <laughs> I want to give this scripture in First uh, Corinthians six. It says um, he's talking about. Our, our sexual immorality and things. He says, or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become flesh, but he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. And then it says, flee sexual immorality because every sin that a man does is outside the body, but he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. And he could say that you will become imprinted with her. Okay? So we can become imprinted by those areas of sexuality. Amen. Like I said, I don't want to leave you uh, with a message where there is no hope. There is no ministry. We were getting people trained and equipped. And um, again, they're going to get some more of that on, online. But I just want to encourage you that there is hope in Christ. There is ministry in Christ. I'm believing that this church is going to raise up an arm of sexual healing ministers, amen, that aren't afraid of the topic, that can talk about it and bring a message of hope and faith. Because if the church doesn't do it, who will? Who will? If we're not the answer, where is it? Who, what other religion has a God that heals like our God? What other religion do we have that has a God that forgives sin like our God? What other religion has a me message of truth? What other religion can say that their God created them? Muhammad never created anyone. Allah, Buddha, but our God is a creator God. And what because of he created us, if he needs to do a job to recreate something, he can. He can. Amen. Now tonight we're going what we're gonna do is we're gonna continue in the theme sum, but we're gonna ask you if you come tonight, we're gonna do we're not gonna be able to take everybody's questions, but we're gonna be able to take some questions. Now I'm going to I'm going to do something a little different uh, today because I want those of you who went through and you feel confident and you feel like you've got faith. And if we could get, can I get someone on the keyboard? Okay, someone on the keyboard. Um, so and Pastor, you can kind of make sure who we got up here. But I want those of you who prayed for somebody else in that meeting. You you. You got a basic of that prayer. I want you to come up here. And if anybody says, I really want prayer for my sexual imprinting. Okay. I know what it was. I want prayer for it. These people are going to lay hands on you and pray. I'm going to be praying. So come up. You know, some of my front row guys, you better have some faith. Okay. Come on. 
and you're, you're going to lay hands. So, cause I do not want to leave this. If you need prayer, if you need the anointing, you know, the, the oldest person was in their eighties. I did a, a TV show and a lady called in. She was 80 years old. They said, will you call her and pray for her? I said, if she's over 80 and she wants prayer for her sexual imprinting, I'm going to her house. And I went to her house and God moved and she got baptized in the Holy Ghost and had imprinting and cleansed and forgiven. So if you know you have the faith to pray for somebody else, just come on up. And, and I, want, I want anybody that you know, I just really would like prayer in this area. Here's what we're going to believe. Any sexual imprinting that was outside of covenant, we're going to ask God to release a cleansing cleansing in your mind, in your body, in your heart. Okay? Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Many, many people have had inappropriate imprinting. Okay? So, I just encourage you to come. Okay? So, just begin to minister, sing. Just come. Thank you, Jesus. Let one of these people pray. They have had faith. They've been activated. They've been prayed for, and they're ready to pray for you. Just come on down. Just come on down. We just, yeah, ladies with ladies, men with men, come on down. Come on down. Just remember, just draw on that prayer. You're taking their sexuality to the throne of God. We're asking to him to send his fire to make all things new to release a total cleansing now of all imprinting, mind, body, soul, spirit. Guys, if you've got to go, feel free that you can go. This ministry is going to be here, and it's going to be really important for people. But we're aware it's 10 past 12, so please feel released uh, for, for the service. It's, it's finished here. And tonight again at 6 p.m., make sure you invite somebody. It's a very important subject. Amen. And uh, again, we'll send some stuff out to you guys. Uh, if you need some help, this has brought up some stuff, because it, it probably will for many of us. Then there's going to be some help. Uh, talk to your life group leaders. Come see Catherine, myself, or others. And also some other things we'll send to you. Amen. God bless you.